come now to some reflections from God's word. And as we gather this evening, I'm conscious that our common ground, the reason why we're here and not strangers, is because of a shared sense of grief. We've all lost someone dear to us. And for a good number, this is the first Christmas without our loved one, and that brings all sorts of mixed emotions. Normally when I speak in a church context, the common ground is the person of Christ and the Christian faith. And so as I share these words of comfort from the Bible, I'll do it with an understanding that this may be a little bit new to some folk who may not be used to having a Bible opened and some words shared. Now Christianity is unique among religions when it comes to grief and loss. Before the universe was created, God existed three in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They were without need, they were content in every way and in joyful fellowship amongst themselves. However, they knew nothing of grief, they knew nothing of loss until Jesus came. Jesus came on that first Christmas and grew to be a man and showed us the way to the Father heart of God. But he was crucified. And on the cross, when he cried, it is finished, God experienced grief for the first time. His one and only son was cruelly taken. His son was innocent and he died. And so God is acquainted with grief. He is uniquely positioned to comfort us in our grief and to give us hope because Christ was raised from the dead. And so with this as a background, let me share with you a story from the Gospel of John. Now among Jesus' friends, he had two sisters and a brother. Their names were Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And they were about the same age as Jesus and he enjoyed their company. When he travelled around Israel, he would often stop and stay with them. However, Lazarus, the brother, fell sick and sadly he died. Now when news reached Jesus, he travelled to the family home. And Martha, one of the sisters, heard that Jesus was on his way and she went out on the road to meet Jesus. And we put this up in chapter 11, verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she's right. You see, Jesus had healed many, many people. He had healed simple fevers, but even blindness. He had healed lepers and eternal bleeding. He'd even raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. And yes, if Jesus had been there, Martha's brother, Lazarus, need not have died. So how do you think... Jesus responded to Martha's question. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. I am the resurrection and the life. I wonder what, wonder what that means. And whoever believes in me will live even though they die. You sort of wonder what that's about. We'll leave those cryptic comments from Jesus for just a bit and continue with the story. Anyway, not long after, Mary realises that Jesus is nearby and she joins her sister and Jesus. And interestingly, Mary asks exactly the same question. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, 
if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's exactly the same words that her sister Martha had used. So you would expect Jesus to respond in exactly the same way. But no, his response is very different. Verse 35, his response was two short words recorded in the Gospel of John. Jesus wept. It's a very different response, isn't it? Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. Some say the most powerful verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. In Mary's grief, Jesus drew alongside her and shared her grief in tears. Notice how Jesus responds very differently to the same question. To Martha, he gave a very rational, objective response. Well, that's because that's what Martha needed. But to Mary, Jesus gave a very emotional response. He wept with her because that's what uh, Mary needed. And here we have modelled for us two powerful ways we can help people in their grief. For some people, they need to be able to work out in sort of a logical, rational way what's happened. That's why some people are wired. So there might be a car accident where a loved one is taken too soon and, and lots of things had come together for that car accident. There are lots of ifs and maybes and what ifs. And for some people, it is helpful to sit through and listen to them grapple with how it happened and what it meant. But for other folk, it's best that we just sit alongside and quietly shed a tear. There's another famous example of this in the Bible, in the Old Testament, a a man called Job, who had uh, seven sons and three daughters, and they all died in a terrible accident. And he was grief-stricken. And he had three good friends, and they came to him, and the Bible says, for seven days they sat with him and said nothing. If you know the story, that's the best thing they did for the whole <laughs> for the whole time they were with Job. But isn't that interesting? Some people don't need all the explanations, certainly not at the beginning. Some people just need us to sit with them and shed a tear and hear what they have to say. And if this is where the story had ended, it would be a wonderful example for us so that we can draw alongside those who mourn. But there's a twist to the story, a wonderful twist, a glorious life-giving twist to the story. For next, Jesus, the two sisters, and a whole bunch of onlookers make their way the short distance to the tomb. And as was common in Jesus' day, the tomb was a cave, and a stone had been rolled across the entrance. Now, Lazarus's body had been laid there for four days, and much to everyone's surprise, when Jesus gets to the tomb, instead of paying his last respects, he commands, it, he says, take the stone away. There's a very amusing response from Martha. In the King James Version, it's, but Lord, he stinketh. Because four days in the Mediterranean heat, yes, that's a very good reason why they were reluctant to roll the stone away. But they did. And then in verse uh, 43, Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out. And blow me down, Lazarus comes out. And it's a little bit of a comic scene painted by John because John says that his hands and his feet were wrapped in linen and there was a burial cloth over his face. So he kind of shuffled out Lazarus. 
And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And great was the rejoicing of the two sisters. Earlier, Jesus has said, I am the resurrection and the life. And now he proves it by raising his good friend from the dead. And while Mary and Martha celebrated, however, the religious leaders were again frustrated in their plans to stop Jesus doing what he was doing. And we are told that they amped up their plans to have him arrested and then killed. And of course, all this was a precursor. This only happened a few short weeks before Jesus was arrested and killed and laid in a tomb with a large stone rolled over the front. But miracle of miracles, the greatest miracle of all, after three days, Jesus was raised from the dead. And so see how those words that Jesus spoke earlier now make sense. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. So Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, had believed in him, and even though he died, he was raised again. And that is the blueprint for all those who believe in Jesus. Lazarus, though, was only raised and later on died. He was resuscitated, so we don't know whether he lived five years or 50 years. But Jesus died so that we can live and live eternally. Those who trust in Christ, the death is never the end. And there is an invitation to all, everyone, to trust in Christ so that death need not be your final word. And all this can be rather academic and open to conjecture and to debate till we experience the death of a loved one ourselves or come face to face with our own mortality. It was just over two years ago that my father went into hospital with fluid on the lung. He had not long got over prostate cancer. He had had extensive treatment. And I was living in Auckland at the time, and he was in Rotorua. And, and if you're in Rotorua, you receive treatment at Waikato Hospital. So I could, it's, only a couple, it's only an hour and a half drive, so I would shoot down when I could and, and spend some time with my father. But he'd got over that, and he was in what we thought was good health. And then one day he was uh, taken to Rotorua Hospital with fluid on the lungs. They did a few tests and were 36 hours in hospital. They sent him home. Uh, we can do nothing more. It will be about three weeks. And of course the family was shocked. He'd done so well with his health up until then. By the grace of God, I was just starting six weeks study and annual leave. And our youngest son was just finishing high school in Auckland, so I didn't have the pressures to stay there. So I, I moved back into the family home in Rotorua. My sister, she lived in the same city. Uh, my brother is in, in Omaru, and he managed to get some time off. And so it was very special to have us three children, slightly better behaved than we were last time we were all at home. It was very special to be there to help my mum and, and just to be with my dad. And there were tears during that time and, and laughter and, and memories and, and photos and uh, six grandchildren, all young adults. They all managed to come up and it was a real privilege to just be standing. I still remember just standing beside my father's bed with the children and for, for a grandfather to give his final words. Yeah, I still remember that and, and tear up. And hospice were wonderful. They were amazing. 
you know, so that my father was able to stay at home. And after three weeks, almost to the day, he passed away with my mother and the three of us around his bed. You know, and I, I'm so grateful to God that he gave us that opportunity. You know, it could have been a car accident in which we wouldn't have had the chance to say our goodbyes. And it certainly wasn't pleasant. And it's certainly not something that you wish on anyone. But uh, there was a real sense of God's presence and peace and a, a certainty that death was not the end. Our Heavenly Father knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He is not an impassive God that set the world in motion and, and sits back and just watches everything click over. Our Heavenly Father is acquainted with grief. He knows what it is to bury a son. He is uniquely positioned to comfort all of those who look to him. I mean, this is the good news of the gospel. It is the good news to all those who put their life into the hands of the living God. A word of prayer.